sleeping is boring when you have all of, all of this, you know, imaginative stuff in your head that you want to do. Yeah. Getting into the closet and getting hangers off and doing sword fights. That sounds like a lot of fun, actually. (laughs) I mean, I know I'm a, I'm a grown man, but if Rachel was like, Hey Ben, I'm going to grab a couple of hangers from our closet and we're going to have a, a, just a play sword fight. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'd be game. (laughs) You'd be so beaten. Whatever. <laughs> What's up, Rachel? Uh, I don't I never know how to answer that question, but oh, Hello, just, Ben. Yeah, that's fine. That works. Okay. How are you doing? I'm doing well. It's how are you doing? I'm doing great. Yeah. I had a really fun morning. Yeah. You want to hear about it? Sure. You're supposed to be like, oh, you did? Why? Well, because I kind of know, but. No, you know. Uh, Some of you. Why don't you tell us, Ben? I am. I'm I'm about to. Some of you listening may know a guy who goes by the name of Corey Miller. If you don't, he is uh, one of of the team members uh, for Sean West. He. Uh, does what I don't know what his official t- job title is, Sean Slave, something like that. Oh wow! So, anyways, he does he does a lot of work for too far Ben for Sean West, and 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 he's been a longtime listener of the Sean West podcast that I'm also a part of. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he and I have kind of struck up a friendship. We've had a couple of Skype com- or uh, Google Hangout conversations that we recorded talking about different things, and. He found out or he heard about just yesterday, heard about a party that Sean is throwing tonight. As of this recording, it's like already passed. But tonight, uh, Sean's throwing a party to celebrate the launch of his recent course. And everybody who's a part of the Sean West team who could get there is invited to come. And Corey heard about it. He lives all the way in California. We're in Texas. Mm -hmm. And... He's like, oh, I got to make this happen. And so he's crazy. And he ended up coming to Texas, mm-hmm. flew into Texas this morning. I picked him up and we, he and I hung out for a little bit with the kids. I had all the kids with me. Yeah. So I, I think bet it, that was fun. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was good. We went to a coffee shop that's got like an enclosed playground area. So we let the kids play. We had our coffee. And we talked a little bit, you know, between like the kids running up and, and crying about whatever. <laughs> this or know, that, yeah. Every five seconds we get, we did get some conversation. And so it was really nice. That's good. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. What did you do this morning? Oh, I was just writing and all of that good stuff. So. Yeah. Yeah. Are you writing? What are you working on right now? I'm working on a fantasy series and then a middle grade well, it's a middle grade fantasy series, but then a middle grade novel about bo- some brothers who are musicians together. Oh, mm-hmm. that sounds like fun. Yeah, it is fun. Is that is that you also kind of hoping that our boys become musicians together? Mm, not really. I mean, there are only three of them. So in, oh, okay, in the story, okay. there are only three. But oh, okay. No. Yeah. When we were when we were up to four kids. Mm-hmm. No, we were never up to four kids. When we, yeah. 
<laughs> we went from we three to five. Went, we went from three to five. Yeah. When we were up to three kids, I kind of, I, I was imagining in my head what it would be like for the three of them to be in a band together. Yeah. And then we jumped to five and I was like, yeah, there's still, you know, like bands out there with five, but I don't know about six. Well, maybe. I don't know. I feel like it starts to break down, especially with family. Yeah. I don't know of that many successful bands out there that are made up of well, they could, they could break into two bands, three and three power trios. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I guess they could do that. So we'll let them know our plans yeah. later on and we'll make sure they do that and don't follow any of their own dreams. Although nobody wants to play the bass guitar and they say they need a sister for that. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where are they going to get a sister? <laughs> I don't know. All right. So well, to segue into the conversation, how yeah. how did the boys cooperate when it was time to leave the park? You know, we we played a little bit of a this is a little bit of a trick. Okay, because here's here's the thing you got to know about this play area is fenced off, but it's kind of on the backside of the coffee shop, and so in order to get back out to the parking, normally you have to go back through the coffee shop. It's not necessarily the leaving. Sometimes the leaving is tough. But I find that when, you know, we give the kids plenty of heads up, mm-hmm. that makes it easier. You know, letting them letting them know what the plan is ahead of time. Yeah. But what I was really worried about was going through the coffee shop because that's where they see all the things and they get distracted and, it, and it's like herding cats. Yeah. And so Corey was there with me and I said, Corey, I have this great idea. You stay here with the kids and I'm going to take Asher, I'm going to take the baby, and I'm going to get in the van and I'm going to go home. No, I'm just kidding. I, I told him, I'm going, <laughs> wow. to, I'm going to go ahead and bring Asher to the van, and then I'm going to come back over because the, the fence is just a wire fence, it's, and it's not very tall, mm-hmm. but it's right there next to the parking. And so I could literally walk from the van over to the fence and have Corey hand the children to me one by one. Wait, so you fence. would jump over the fence? No, I don't have to jump over oh. the fence. I I went through the coffee shop with oh, the baby. Okay, I see. Put the baby in the car, and then Corey handed the children to me over the fence. Nice. So it was like a handoff game. Yeah, it was, and it was kind of fun. It was like, hey, let's jump over the fence. You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's fun. So that's how that went. But yeah, today we're talking about cooperation. The topic title is the secret to having cooperative kids. I like how you're using your hands, but nobody can see you but me. That's okay. One day, <laughs> one day, one day we'll be streaming this video live. Hmm. We're streaming audio live to the community members. They get to listen. But for now, you can just imagine, because I do talk with my hands quite a bit, the secret <laughs> to having cooperative kids. So I want to start off by saying, while this is revolutionary, it was revolutionary for us to think about cooperation in this way, it's not foolproof. Mm-hmm. So, well, I don't think anything ever is. Right. We're, so. not, we're not coming to this show saying our kids cooperate 100% of the time and here's how you can do it. So I, I want to make sure to set that expectation up front that really it is a process and it's a mindset and it's not something that always results in the outcome that you would hope for. Mm-hmm. But this, this is a way of thinking about it, a step in the right direction that really makes cooperation a kind of a different animal. Mm -hmm. It makes it a much easier 
thing that promotes relationship instead of kind of driving a wedge. Yeah. So just case in point for not being foolproof. Um, yesterday I spent the morning helping the twins because they, they enjoy getting into our, into their closet and taking all of their clothes down and playing with the hangers. And I spent the whole morning hanging up all of the clothes and putting them back and I put them up where they couldn't reach them. And we spent, you know, we spent one-on-one time with them yesterday and, um, played with them, all of the things you're supposed to do. And last night when we went out of our room, they had pulled out their trundle bed and had apparently been hoarding hangers underneath the trundle bed. And we're we're playing, you know, like sword fights and stuff with the hangers. That's right. So have you, have you seen their room today? No. Oh, don't maybe let me go into their room first. Great. So anyways, yeah, but I'm, I'm really, you know, we're, we're really huge on having an approach to these things that really promotes healthy relationships because ultimately that's, what's going to lead to the kind of long-term strength and relationship cooperation that you're looking for. Mm-hmm. And it is a little bit more difficult in the beginning, in my opinion, sometimes it would be easier just to put my foot down and, and make threats and get, get the kind of results that I want to see that way. But that's almost compared to this, that's almost kind of a shortcut and it doesn't set a foundation for the kind of a long-term relationship you really want to have with your kids. Right. It's only a short-term fix. And we've seen that too. You know, there are situations where we have just reached the end and we've had to do that and it, it only works for that moment. Right. So where I, where I'd like to start is, um, and, and really where I like to start with any of these things is having an understanding of where your child is developmentally with their ability to cooperate. Mm -hmm. And as we've talked about before, at a certain age, they're really, they, they don't have as much of an ability to follow instructions. Um, definitely not more complicated instructions. Yeah. Maybe just like one sentence. Right. And even when they do, their impulses, depending on your child, their impulses to do the opposite or to do something uh, else besides what they're being told to do or not to do may be very strong. And they just have difficulty not following those impulses Mm -hmm. because they haven't built in that ability yet. And so it's important to remember that and not to allow your expectations to be above what they're capable of doing. Mm -hmm. And that's just, that's a way that we can manage our own emotions toward the situation. Mm -hmm. So I was having a great conversation with Corey this morning. We were talking about his uh, little girl and she is a little bit older than one now. And she's kind of getting into that phase where she is getting into things and, and, uh, I mean, the, the twins are still doing that. They're three. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, don't ever have twins. Yeah. <laughs> no, don't, we don't say that. We love the twins. I'm just kidding. Yeah, we love them most of the time. But what, what kids are hardwired to do, really what human beings are hardwired to do, is to discover where the boundaries are. You think about it. Imagine, imagine yourself in a room that is completely shut off from light. And 
Think about how unnerving that is, first of all. Even with your eyes open, you look around and it's like you have your eyes shut. Maybe you make a noise so that you can kind of get a sense of what the space is like. Is does the does the noise that you make kind of come back to you a little bit dead, like you know, it's kind of a smaller room, or does it echo a lot, like it's a bigger room? And you might even get brave enough to start to try to feel around and to test things. And that's essentially what our children are doing when they're getting into things and when they're exploring and testing boundaries. They're trying to find out where the borders are. They're trying to find out how big is this space that I'm in. And what they really want is they want the security of knowing that a boundary is not going to move or change. Mm -hmm. Even though their actions seem to contradict that, they want that, they want that kind of security. Yep. I don't know what to add to that. So. Oh, it's okay. So one of the things that we can do that really helps our child is in that scenario is to just be consistent with those boundaries. And that can be difficult to do because it seems like sometimes they're testing all kinds of different things. Sometimes it's at a moment when you really don't have the bandwidth to deal with them or whatever. But if you notice them testing a specific boundary over and over again, maybe just focus on that one for now and, and help them to understand, okay, here is, here's where the line is. I'm not backing off of that. And that ultimately is going to help them to, to feel more secure and that security is going to translate into better cooperation. Mm -hmm. I think that kids enjoy knowing, I mean, I, I think of our eight year old. So last year when he was having trouble in school, he had a teacher who was pretty laid back, you know, she let him do some of the things that he wanted to do and all of that. And then when he changed teachers, he had a teacher who was much stricter about the structure of her classroom and what was allowed and communicated those clearly with him. Yeah. And he did a thousand times better in that class. And so I think sometimes as parents, we, we sometimes think that maybe we're imposing too much or maybe we have too many boundaries and we should let them, you know, yeah, be a little freer. I know sometimes for me, when, when I think of all the rules that we have in our house, I'm, I'm kind of like, wow, maybe we should back off a little, but kids enjoy having those so that they know what's expected of them. Yeah. And it can be difficult with, with our oldest Jaden. He is very smart and mm -hmm. he's also very strong willed. And I was honestly, I was concerned when he made the change to a different teacher knowing that she was more strict knowing that she had more rules, I was concerned about how he would respond to that. And it was kind of surprising to me to see how much he improved in his ability to manage his emotions and that kind oh, of thing yeah. in that setting. Mm -hmm. And it just, it just made me realize as, as capable as our children seem, they're learning how to be independent. They're learning how to be disciplined there, there are things about themselves that they don't have control over yet. And that's scary, mm -hmm. you yeah. know? And so those boundaries really are a piece of security they can hold on to. I mean, even as an adult, I feel more comfortable sometimes in, in certain working relationships when I know there are clear 
expectations and constraints. Mm-hmm. When, when I know it's expected of me, I know how to engage in that relationship. Yeah. Now on the other side of that, I knew some kids, I mean, my mom was pretty trustful of her children and allowed us freedom, especially when we became teenagers. But I knew some kids who had really, really rule driven homes and weren't allowed to do things. And when they got off to college, you know, they just went a little crazy. And so there's, there's a balance there too. You know, we can't, we, I don't know, the, the boundaries just have to be good boundaries. I, I, the way that I always think about it is, do I really, is this important enough to fight about all the time? Because we have to choose our battles. Yeah. But, but you do want them to, I mean, you almost, you almost want them to be as they grow pressing into the boundaries with mm-hmm. their growth before you move them out some more, you know, what, and, and understanding what they can handle can sometimes be difficult because, you know, they seem like they're more capable than they really are. And so it is kind of a trial and error thing in that sense. Mm-hmm. But yeah. And it's, I think it's different for every family. Depends on the type of kid you have. It depends on how old they are, all of those things. So I had, I had some folks in the chat mentioning that their children are really young. Mm-hmm. And, and so it was, it was kind of difficult to know what kind of question to ask because when they're young, they're more inclined to be cooperative, to listen to you be, just because they don't have much of an ability to do anything. They can't go off on their own. They can't get their own food. They can't, you know, so, uh, and that's not to say that, you know, in all situations they're compliant, but. Yeah, I'd say in a lot of them they aren't. But, but at that age, how do you prepare them to be more cooperative? And so one of the, the things that, that I encourage is your children uh, invariably are going to be in situations where they feel overwhelmed scared, unsure of what to do. And I'm even thinking about, you know, the times when our children have come into our room and they're, they're scared about something Mm -hmm. when they're having that kind of emotional response, that's a great opportunity to come alongside them and to comfort them and to demonstrate that you are capable, that you can do something that they can't, Mm -hmm. that you can feel comfort and calm and confidence when they can't and, you know, bring that to them when they have that experience with you over and over, what that communicates to them basically is they're capable of handling things that they can't, you know, things that they don't. And so when we, when we provide that kind of comfort, comfort for our kids, especially when they're young, it just kind of builds that trust. It, it reinforces this idea and you don't you don't want them to obviously not feel confident and capable of handling those things on their own as they grow but it it is good for them to see you as a source of comfort as someone who maybe knows something that they don't and has some kind of insight that they don't and therefore can be trusted with the things that they don't understand mhm and that's something that you can begin to do early on by by bringing them comfort when they feel scared or overwhelmed. Yeah. And I think that issue right there is a pretty complicated issue too. the whole, you know, scared and overwhelmed because we, we look at life in a much different way because we have so much more 
we we had we've had so much more time to live and to learn yeah. from our experiences. But kids don't have a whole lot of that. So you know, when I think about when our kids come and say that they're scared, and the times that we've been like, "Oh, you have no need to be scared," but they don't really they don't really know why they have no need to be scared. And so sometimes it's just enough to say, "Well, I'm not scared. I'm not worried about it." Yeah. I understand that you feel worried about it, you know, and just be that person who has the courage that they can lean on for those times. That's right. And that's, that's a small part of what is a bigger thing that I think is a part of, well, and let me, let me do this because I don't think I've done this yet. The secret, the secret to having cooperative kids is connection. The, it's having a connected relationship with your kids. Oh wait, you're already sharing the secret. I am I'm gonna go ahead and share the secret <laughs> okay. because the secret kind of breaks itself out into different things. Yeah, it I does. was I was talking about the development part, but then I got into some more of the practical stuff. But mm-hmm. but it's it's that personal connection and it's not versus imposing your will on them, just you know, making threats or or punishing them if they don't follow along. It really is the 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 way that you get cooperation, willing cooperation is by having a connected relationship with your child where they trust you and they see you as, as someone who is working in their best interest. And so we're going to get into that. What I love about what you're saying though, is there's a real empathy to seeing what your child is experiencing through their eyes versus your own personal understanding or experience. And you can exercise that empathy in many different ways. So one of the ways is recognizing when they're scared and understanding that that fear they're feeling, what they're experiencing to them seems really big, even Mm -hmm. though to you, it seems small. And so getting outside of yourself and and saying, okay, I know to me, this seems small, but I'm going to think about what this must feel like or look like from their perspective. Mm -hmm. And you can do that for a number of things when it's time to leave the park. And they've been playing and having a good time and you say, okay, it's time to leave. You know, think about what it feels like from their perspective. They're doing something that's super fun. They're having a great time. They don't want it to end. They're, they're filled with joy. They don't know when or if they'll get to do it again. Yeah, they, that, that's right. They don't understand the concept of time. They don't get the importance of other things that you have to do that day. They don't, they don't understand you know, what it means to have to run errands or pay bills or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And so they don't have any of that same context. And so if you think about it from that perspective, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're not going to carry out, you know, leaving the park, but it helps you to approach them from their perspective instead of just your own. Right. And you, you think about what it looks like when you call into customer service. And maybe you've had a really bad experience with your internet connection. It keeps going out. Think about the difference between a customer service representative who's just kind of dismissive and like, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll fix your problem. And one that says, wow, I would feel frustrated too. You know, think about how disarming that is. I think you used that example in the last episode, maybe. I did. I really like the example. Yeah. (laughs) It's one of my favorites because a lot of times, what we, especially when we're feeling emotional, mm-hmm. what we want more than our outcome is to feel heard and understood. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, well, once, 
once you hear me and understand me, you know, the, the outcome is going to be whatever it is. But because somebody understands how I feel about this, I'm going to be okay. And so we can, we can do that for our children as well. We can help them to feel understood, to feel heard, to know that we understand what they're going through. Yeah. Without, and, and that the outcome is going to be the outcome, but it helps them to feel, it helps them to be more accepting of the outcome when they know that you understand how they feel. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and really empathy and getting on the same side of, as our children is just one part of having cooperative kids. I think the, the most important thing is the relationship that you have. And, and that's one facet of the relationship. But um, I think the biggest thing for me, I don't know if you're going to get into this, but the biggest thing for me is spending one-on-one time with each kid. Yeah, that was, that was actually, I, I jumped in ahead to the empathy thing, but really spending quality one-on-one time is one of the bigger foundational pieces of this connection. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'd like, I'd like for you to talk a little bit about this because we, you and I had a conversation recently Yeah. about some choices you made with what to do with your time with the kids and how you're going to spend time with them. So, yeah, I think, I mean, this is a really hard thing for me and for any parent who has, you know, multiple children, even just one child, because then it, you know, the whole spending one-on-one time with a child is hard when you work and there is always something to do at home and, you know, dishes need to be done and laundry needs to be done and your spouse still needs time. Um, And it can sometimes feel overwhelming. And for me, as a mom of six, I just, sometimes I get to the end of the day and I haven't spent any kind of one-on-one time with the kids and you notice a difference most definitely. So a while ago we eased into having this snuggle time um, six days a week and we would just take one kid and do it each time. And then lately I've been studying some other things and just realizing anew how important it is every single day to even just take five minutes for one of the kids, which, you know, if I took five minutes for six of them, that's half an hour out of my day. Yeah. How mu- that's, that's not too much to ask in the name of cooperation. And so, uh, and, and the, you got to think about the investment that you're making right. too. It's mm-hmm. not, it's not something that you're necessarily going to see. And, and it's not just about this, you know, there's, it's definitely more about the relationship and the closeness there. There's way more that you're investing in, but if you're concerned about your time, it's, n- it's not going to be one of those things where you invest 30 minutes a day and then because of all of the cooperation you're experiencing now you have an extra 30 minutes that you didn't have before yeah it's not necessarily going to be like that but you're laying a foundation for something that is is going to equal time-wise something really meaningful um in in terms of the kind of cooperation the kind of just just being on the same page with your kids and and having really strong communication mm-hmm. all all of those things add up and can be a huge return on that investment over time. And here's the thing too, when, when we spend one-on-one time with our kids, what I have found in myself is that I have so much more patience for when they don't cooperate because I've spent Mm. time with them and I've reconnected with them. And so I'm not quite as, you know, I don't get as ruffled or it doesn't feel as urgent to me as it would if we had a, 
not so, I mean, okay, so disconnected relationship, that sounds like a bad thing, but I think it can happen when we're not investing time with our kids, you know, in those busy seasons, we can, we can move through our lives and just be completely disconnected almost. Um, We're still spending time with them, but in our, in our home, I mean, it's like a herd, you know, Mm -hmm. you're spending time in this herd and you see them as a group. You're not seeing them as individuals. And so when one acts out, because they're all, there's always going to be somebody who acts out, it feels like everybody's acting out and it just, you know, it builds up to be this huge deal, which is kind of, I mean, that's the place we were with our twins before we started just really intentionally trying to see them as two different people because one would always wake up to be the defiant child and there was never a break from that. So it just felt like collectively they were so incredibly challenging. Yeah. We're going to have to do an episode on how not to treat your kids like they're all one person. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's, It's hard, but no, but, and, and maybe, maybe there are some folks out there who don't understand that, but like when, when you have a large group of people that you're, working with Mm -hmm. it's difficult in the chaos to Mm -hmm. make that distinction emotionally like intellectually you could sit down and you could say yeah he did this and he did this he was you know doing fine and he wasn't even in the room but emotionally it just feels like it's all yeah soup together so Mm -hmm. yeah uh so what we've been trying or what i've been trying to do is just take five minutes um one of the boys was playing with this little pattern play game the other day. And I just sat on the floor and watched him. I didn't really, you know, I didn't really do anything. I just wanted him to know I was there watching him for five minutes because it was time that he had with me. And so I I think it's just, it's simple things that we can do like that, you know, that, that can foster that connection. Yeah. And, and when you can let it be one-on-one, let it truly be just you and that other individual uninterrupted. And I would also add to that that it should be an activity that they're interested in, something that they want to do. Yeah, it's not what we tell them to do. Sometimes we we have those snuggle times and one of the whoever I'm snuggling with that night will say, oh, I want to do this tonight and I really don't feel like I'm mm-hmm. in the mood. Yeah. Um, but those are those are the times when we don't feel like we're in the mood, but it's it really is what they want to do. Yeah. Whether it's work on a puzzle or play with Legos. I don't, I wonder if it would even be okay to, to say, you know, I don't feel like doing that, but because you want to do it, I I want to spend time with you. And so I'll sit with you while you do that. I think that can be really yeah. powerful. Oh yeah, definitely. Because they hardly ever have our eyes just watching them yeah. and them alone. And I just want to say too, that I know that this is super hard to do because it really, I mean, this has been a challenge for me personally because it feels like everything is always so urgent in our household. And, you know, as a working mom, it it's hard already to balance life and home and all of those, all, all of the responsibilities that come with that. But um, I'm just, I'm really learning that this is the, the biggest way that we can get cooperation from our kids. Yeah. And, and like you said, it can be, something like five minutes. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. The difference just five or 10 minutes can make Mm -hmm. doesn't have to be, you know, hours of time. Yep. So another, another way that we can foster this connection is to, 
be a student of our child. The more we can understand the the source of some of their behavior, so a student of where they are development developmentally, like we were t- uh, talking about in the beginning, that'll help us manage our expectations. But also a student of their personality type. What is their love language? We talked in episode eight, how knowing your child's personality type can help you speak their language. Mm-hmm. The more you understand about where your child is coming from, what are the circumstances that cause them to to be in a bad mood? You know, are they the kind of person that when they're hungry, they are super cranky? Mm-hmm. What was what was the word they came up with the other day? Hankry or something like that? Yeah, some hank. Yeah, yes, hankry. Yeah, hanky. Hanky. No, I don't think it wasn't so. that. It was something. Yeah. Anyways, they were trying to describe how they felt. Crangry. Crangry. That's what it was. <laughs> yeah, cranky and hungry. That's there. Right. <laughs> So discover those things. And, and I, I really, that's more of a benefit to us than it is to them. But when we understand them, we, we have a different response to them under different circumstances. And it brings us back to empathy. Mm-hmm. And, and so when, when I understand, when I remember, oh yeah, when Rachel hasn't had something to eat for hours, she's going to snap at me. <laughs> I can, instead of reacting to that, I can be like, oh, she's hungry. She's Mm -hmm. just hungry. I think even, I came in, I came back into the room. We had a little argument. Yeah. uh And I came back into the room and I can't remember whether I apologized or not, but we we looked at each other and you said, I'm really hungry. And I said, I'm really tired. (laughs) And that was, that was like all we needed. Yeah. It was apology enough. It's like... (laughs) Yeah. And there is, there's a question that we ask ourselves. We got this, uh, okay. Disclaimer. We don't ask ourselves this all the time because we're not perfect parents all the time. Um, but we got this question from Susan Stiffelman's book, parenting without power struggles. And in a chapter that she talked about cooperation, um, she talked about looking at what your child is doing and turning it in the opposite direction. So, Say your child is continuously getting out of bed at night when it's supposed to be bedtime. And you, in order to analyze the situation quickly, you say, why shouldn't my child get well, out of his bed? And, and so the, what we would normally say is, my child should stay in bed. Yeah. And, uh, and that's kind of the way that we think. That's where we start. My child should stay in bed. And we, you know, we have all these reasons why they should stay in bed. But it's, that, that kind of goes back to the empathy thing. It's asking the opposite question. Mm-hmm. Why should my style, my child stay in bed? They should want to get out of bed because mm-hmm. being in bed is boring mm-hmm. when you don't feel sleepy. Sleeping is boring when you have all of, all of this, you know, imaginative stuff in your head that you want to do. Yeah. Getting into the closet and getting hangers off and doing sword fights. That That's... sounds like a lot of fun, actually. <laughs> I mean, I know I'm a, I'm a grown man, but if Rachel was like, hey, Ben, I'm going to grab a couple of hangers from our closet and we're going to have a, a, just a play sword fight, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'd be game. <laughs> You'd be so beaten. Whatever. <laughs> so anyways, you, you see how a lot of this is kind of pointed, directed toward us. It's not really something that you do in the kids, but it's, it's, 
it's something that starts with us. You know, our mindset about cooperation, our relationship to our children mm-hmm. is ultimately what shapes them and, and what guides them and allows them to grow into more cooperative children. Mm-hmm. But it's got to start with us. So one of the things that I really try to do is to stay disconnected emotionally from the outcome that I want to see. Mm-hmm. That's really hard. When we display an emotional connection to the outcome, it's really difficult for us to maintain what is another piece of this, which is helping our, ch- our child understand that we are interested in what's best for the family. We're interested in what's best for everyone. We know things that they don't know. But, but you think about that. When, when somebody shows you that they're emotionally connected to some outcome, Mm-hmm. it's difficult to see them as somebody who's looking at the situation objectively and it becomes easier to discount what they're trying to do. Yeah. And so we as parents can put ourselves in a much better position when, when we can approach these things objectively. We're just really matter of fact. Mm-hmm. Like, no, this is, this is going to be a better thing and this is what we're going to do instead of getting angry and up in arms. And, and that's, that's incredibly hard to do. It takes a great deal of practice and discipline. Yeah. And it's something that I feel like I'm honestly at the beginning of my journey of, of really grasping. Yeah. And um, I, when I think of that, I think of cleanup time in our house because I'm always, I always feel like I'm so emotionally connected to having our house clean and tidy because, you know, when, when there's, junk everywhere. I say junk, but it's really toys everywhere. It just, it eats at me. And so when it comes cleanup time, it's really, really hard to disconnect myself from that outcome. But what I always try to do, because we have a rule in our house that if you don't clean up what you play with, then that gets put away for a week Yeah, and you don't get to play with it for a whole week. And so what I try to do is approach it in that way, just this matter of fact way to say, okay, guys, it's time to clean up. And you remember the rule, right? And if they don't remember, then I restate it. And I let them have the, you know, I I let them live with that outcome. And it's it it only takes a few minutes for me to clean it up if they're not going to do it. So why, you know. It's so hard. Like, I want to, I want to say it through clenched teeth, like. I'm going to, it's going to be taken away for a week, you know, but really eh, we got to have an episode about this, about the whole like consequences and correction. I had a great, this this is another thing that Corey and I talked about this morning that was really good. But when, when there is a consequence for something, you don't have to be emotionally connected to the outcome. You, You just point to the consequence and be like, Oh no, you didn't clean it up. I guess you'll have to experience this consequence now. Man, yeah. That, that's that really too stinks. bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh man. Oh well. I feel bad for you. Yeah. You know, and 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 I'll, I'll say this too, because you you said that you have an emotional connection to like the cleanliness of the house. Mm-hmm. And so you might ask yourself the question, well, that is really in my interest. Like I like I I'm the one who wants to have a clean house. My kids don't don't care. Yeah, they don't care. But I think it's okay for you to explore why they should care, why it is important for them, even if it doesn't directly connect to them. Yeah. 
if it's important for you, if it helps you to be a more clear thinking human being, they benefit from that. Yeah. And we've explained that to them before. Yeah. So, so I, I, and this is kind of the last point I wanted to make is, is that it's okay to explain why I'm, I'm not a big fan of the, because I told you so thing. No. Yeah. Me neither. What I think is valuable is that our children trust us enough to listen to us in those moments when it's really important for them just to unquestioningly follow our lead. There, there are definitely those moments, but I've had it happen to me too many times where it's just a pride thing. I'm in a store or something and my kid doesn't do what I told them to do. Mm -hmm. And I'm not reacting out of their best interest. I'm reacting out of, I don't want other people to think that I'm not in control of this situation. Yeah. Because, because I said so is a, it's a wall. You Mm -hmm. know, you're, you're saying I'm the great and, powerful Oz behind the curtain and you don't get to see all of these levers and stuff that I'm pulling. Now, certainly the child can't understand all of those things, but when you begin to let them into that world and you help them to see some of the practicality behind the quote unquote magic, Mm -hmm. it, it helps them to understand a little bit more of what's going on. And and I, I don't know, I, I don't feel like that's, a negative thing. I feel like, again, that promotes that connection and relationship, which ultimately leads to more compliance, more cooperation. Yeah. And I remember when our first was young, I mean, he's, he's always been a negotiator. We used to joke that he would be a lawyer and stuff. And I remember being told by other people, you shouldn't engage in these negotiations with your kid and blah, blah, blah. And, but for me, I feel like that's, I feel like it's really valuable because we get to have this exchange, not that we always have time to. And there are certainly times that call for, you know what, you just need to do this that I asked you to do because, you know. I don't, yeah, I don't have time to explain to you right. the complexity of this situation. But I feel like it's valuable for them to know some of the the things, the reasons behind the rules that we have. Yeah. And, and sometimes I want to say this to the parent who's thinking, you know, sometimes I feel like the things that I do ask of my children are self-serving are self-centered. But I would say that most of the t- most of the time it's not e- even if it is something that doesn't directly benefit them mm-hmm. because it benefits you, it indirectly benefits your children. And there are many other sacrifices that you make on a daily basis as a parent. And so it's it's okay, it's healthy, it's good for you and for your children to have some things that are somewhat self-serving. And, and as your children grow and are able to understand, they can understand both the sacrifices that you're making and that you make those sacrifices because you love them and because you want the best for your family and to understand the goodness of the things that you do for yourself that help you to be more of a whole person that also benefits the family. Mm -hmm. So I just, I want to set you free from feeling guilty about those things. And I, I want you to sit down and look at that and, and say, okay, yes, it is self-serving, but when things go the way that I would like for them to go with this particular thing, it helps me to feel more free in this area, which benefits my kids. You know, make those connections 
and don't just let yourself live in this, oh, I feel guilty because I want this for myself place. That's not, that's not where you need to be. So what would be an example of that for you? An example of that for me would be bedtime. We have a very strict rule about. I figured that's what you were talking about. Yeah. <laughs> now there, there, there are a few things, but we have a very strict rule about after a certain time, the only reason they're allowed to come into our room is if there's an emergency. And an emergency is somebody's bleeding, somebody's dying, or there's a fire. Those are the three emergencies in the Tolson home. Yeah, and some, sometimes we have to clarify that. Yeah, now, sometimes the whole bleeding thing, we're like, oh, that's not bad enough. Now, I'm still, <laughs> I'm still having a hard time unwrapping myself from the emotional, you know, being emotionally connected to the outcome of them not following this rule. But, but I will say that I can defend it with confidence because I know that when I have that time to myself mm -hmm. and when I get enough sleep, I make better decisions as a, as a father. I'm much more clear headed. I'm, I'm much more capable of detaching myself emotionally from the situation so that I can approach it with a cool head. Um, all, all of those things are tremendous benefits to my kids' daily experiences. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not just defending it for me. I'm also defending it for them. Now, on the other side of that is the child's perspective. And the one who normally gets out the most is our eight-year-old, who is very much like me. He's very much an introvert. He gets overwhelmed by the noise in our home and by the, you know, the constant voices and all of that. And when I think about the reasons that he would get out of his bed, I think yeah. about the same reasons that I would, I want to be away from everyone. You know, he hasn't really had us to himself a whole lot during the day. And now his brothers are all in bed and he's like, oh, I can go see mom and dad now. Yeah. And so it makes sense to me why he would do that. But there still needs to be that, you know, that that boundary put in place. Because especially for me, I just I get to a certain point at night where I'm just like, nobody say any more words to me. I've had enough words for the day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If, if any more words come toward me, I'm going to have a meltdown. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. So to. To recap, again, the, the, the secret is connection. Mm -hmm. It's having that connection with your kids. And, and you foster that connection through having empathy, which includes understanding where they are developmentally, being a student of your, of your child, understanding how they respond to certain situations, what, what kind of emotional language they speak. And then most importantly, spending quality time with them one-on-one -on -one where you're doing something that they're really interested in and, and there's no chance of interruption. It's just the two of you. And then finally, let them into your world. Let them understand, you know, in little ways as they grow, help them to understand and see things the way that you do and, and demonstrate for them what it looks like to make decisions that are in the best interest of the family and not just in, in your own interest. Mm-hmm. So I had a few comments from Hannah in the chat earlier that I wanted to bring in because I thought they were really good. Hannah said, something that helps me, and this 
seems really obvious, but we forget. I feel like I could say that about almost everything. Mm, yeah. I know this seems obvious, but we forget. It's and it's it's not just that we forget. I think we're we're so entrenched in our daily experience. Mm-hmm. That's why this is stuff that we have to practice. Oh yeah. We have to practice and practice. And really hear over and over and over again. Yeah. So something that helps me is to remember that little kids are people. Mm-hmm. But are they really no? I'm just and often they are feeling the same things you would be feeling, but can't express it as well. For example, my in-laws stayed with us for three weeks last month, and I am an introvert. I was getting short-tempered and physically tired by the end of their stay. My husband was sympathetic because I could explain it. Our youngest is also introverted and was getting very cranky and acting out a lot, also taking more naps in the car and sleeping in later. It was the exact same response I was having, but for some reason it took us longer to catch on. She wasn't just being difficult. When we figured it out and started giving her more quiet time, she rapidly improved. And Charlotte had another really great comment. She says, I think the key to cooperative kids in our house is to have some routine and consistency. When life gets crazy, or after life has been crazy, they have a much harder time hearing us and responding appropriately. And if I'm really engrossed in a project, as I have been this week, their behavior shows it. If I'm more conscientious of their need for stability, they are much more eager to cooperate again instead of challenging me. Mm-hmm. So that's really great stuff. Thank you, Hannah and Sharla. Yeah, thank you. So I had a, I had a couple of questions here, but we're running a little bit long. But I, I really wanted to bring this one in from Christopher. Robert had a really good one too, Robert Guzzo. And I'm going to save this for an actual topic because he was talking about his child who's three years, uh, three years old and has sticky brain. Mm, yep. So we're going to have to make that a topic. So I'm going to bring in uh, his question for another episode. But here's Christopher's question. He says, my son, one and a half years old now. We try to involve him in what we do, reading our books in his reading area. He loves to watch us cook, so we got him cooking toys. We split our time between what we do alone without him to child equivalents as he gets bigger. He loves to help sweep the patio. Will his interest in our activities fade? He already walks away to do his own thing when he's bored. So this is, um, this is an experience that we're pretty familiar with mm-hmm. where when the kids are young, they, they show interest in what we're doing. They want to help out. And certainly as they get older and, and they're, they pick up more skills and th- there's something that's kind of magical about being a child and watching an adult do something that you don't know how to do. Mm-hmm. And then there's also something magical about picking up that skill and pretending you can do it. Yeah. When that magic quote unquote magic starts to go away. That's where it seems like they're, they're losing interest. And, and I would say that the, the very best thing that you can do is to enjoy that while it lasts and not to have an expectation that they're always going to be interested in the same things. Um, as, as adults though, we, there are people that we enjoy spending time with, even though we don't share a lot of the same interests. Mm-hmm. And so don't, don't let the, the activity 
or, or the lack of interest in the activity be a marker for you for whether or not there's strength in that relationship, whether or not they're still interested in spending time with you. Um, there is going to be a time when they're not interested in doing something and they have to do it anyway. And they have to exercise discipline in order to carry that out. And that's something that's really good for them. You're talking you know, about like with chores and stuff. Yeah. 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 It's good. It's good for them to have those experiences because it's going to prime them for those moments in the future when they have a big goal and that goal includes something that they feel really passionately about, but it also includes many other things that they don't particularly enjoy doing. Mm-hmm. And so that discipline is really valuable for them. So I think uh, it, it's, it's a lot of fun when they want to do those things when they share those interests, but it's also good when they don't and they kind of have to do things they don't really feel like doing. Yeah. And I would just add to that uh, because he mentioned reading in there, like reading with your kid. Was that part of the question? Reading with your kid? Yes. Okay. Um, And I would, I would just say that there are some, there are some things that we can do also to foster interest in some of those, you know, areas. And and we did an episode about helping your kids fall in love with reading. Um, but I, I also think about the work that I do, you know, I read a whole lot because I'm a writer. And so we read a lot of books out loud, um, books that I have on my list that I put on their list and they're always interested in it. And, um, right now we're working on some summer projects and what they all chose to do was write a picture book for each of them. And so we have three picture books that we're working on. They're going through and doing the illustrations. So there are some things that we can do as families to help foster that interest and, you know, continue to let it have some longevity in our lives. Um, Because our oldest is eight and he still, he still find has a lot of interest in what we do. I mean, he's always asking about our processes and, Um, He's just mesmerized by a lot of those things. And I think, I think as we talk about those things with our kids and as we bring them in and we show them what we do and um, all of those, they, because of their relationship with us, they're going to find it interesting. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, this was really good. Yeah. You ready to wrap it up? Sure. Rachel, where can people go to find us online? In the boat with Ben.com. That's right. Go to InTheBoatWithBen.com. You can sign up there for our newsletter. We send out newsletters every week with our new episodes, show notes, the featured images. I've actually, uh, I have a lot of fun creating the featured image. Yeah, I know you do. I put, I do put quite a bit of time into it. So, and I had a couple of people actually write back. They responded. I'm in, in the last episode, I was like, I want to hear from you. We want to know what kind of questions you, I want you to click on the response you know, reply button. Yeah. And, um, and two thirds of the responses that I got back had to do with, I really like your featured image. (laughs) Well, that's good. But we, we send out a newsletter and that's also just a great way for us to be in touch with you. We want to, we want this to be a conversation outside of this room. You know, it, I don't want it to just be Rachel and I talking about these things, but we want to be addressing real questions. We want your questions and your insights and your experiences to be a part of this as well. So go sign up for the newsletter. You can also go to seanwest.com community. And that is a great way to help out this show. If you 
become one of the community members. That is how this show is possible. And the community is just a phenomenal place to be. If you go to seanwest.com slash community, you can see what that's all about. Another way you can help out the show is go to intheboatwithben.com slash iTunes. And I haven't done this in a while, but I want to go ahead and read a review that we all right. got. I love getting reviews. It's like, it's kind of like Christmas. Yeah. You never share them with me, so I never get to hear them. This one was from Brooke Heron. She said, great podcast for artistic parents and beyond. For someone who has yet to accomplish their dream and is about to have their first baby, I'm so happy that this podcast exists and that Ben and Rachel are so openly giving advice on how to balance life and passions while raising a family. Their insight encourages me to not only still fight for those dreams, but to be a better mom for it. It's so helpful to hear about the different seasons of life with children, the challenges, and the impact that their pursuits are having on their family. With them having six kids, I'm definitely going to take their word for it and take a lot of notes. Mm-hmm. All right. No pressure. No pressure. <laughs> I would thank you very much, Brooke. And I would love to hear if, if you haven't yet left a review, please go do that. That's um, that's a great way to help out the show because your review could be the difference between whether or not somebody decides to give this show a try mm-hmm. and listen. Yeah. If you want to find Rachel, she is at Rachel Tolson on Twitter. You can go to her website, racheltolson.com. You can find me at bentolson.com. And on Twitter, I am at Ben Tolson. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening today. Yep. Thank you. And we'll talk to you next week. So tonight we're going to Sean's party, the one that I mentioned at the beginning of the show. Yes. I'm excited about that. Mm-hmm. Sean is very generously offered to pay for a babysitter to watch all of the kids. We, um, we have, there are some people that we call on to come watch the kids from time to time who do it for free because I don't know. I, I guess I have this thing where I know that there are people who would come babysit the kids and they wouldn't ask us to pay them very much. Mm-hmm. You know, like we could get away with paying them a little bit, but I know how overwhelming it is. So I either want them to be willing to offer it for free, mm-hmm. knowing what a gift that is to us mm-hmm. for us to be able to, to leave and, and do something just the two of us. And, and to get the satisfaction of knowing that they've given us that gift, or I want to be able to pay them the full value of, you know, what it costs to watch six kids for a few hours. Yeah. You know, so 
So because of that, we don't get out as often as, as I would like. Hardly but, ever. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but we have, but we have some great friends who do from time to time, um, help us out in that way. This was kind of a special thing. It was, it was a little bit, a little bit last minute. And, and Sean was really kind to, to offer to cover the cost of that. So Rachel and I are getting to go kidless to a party. Yeah. That's going to be fun. Yeah. It's going to be a lot of fun. I feel bad for the babysitters. Yeah, I don't. No. <laughs> I don't. They signed up for it. No, it's, it's hard because bedtime is definitely the hardest in our house. So yeah, it's going to be fun. Yes, it is. I, f- I felt, um, I don't know. I felt a little bit worried because like I'm, I'm judging how tonight is going to go based on how they are today, how they were last (laughs) night. Oh, last night. Oh gosh. Last night was awful. It was like a Monday, but on a Thursday. Yeah, it was crazy. (laughs) It was was wild. It's like, what? (laughs) Who, who slipped sugar into my kid's food? (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Every now and then they get like that though. They're not, they're not usually like that, but man, it was crazy. Yeah. It, it really is weird. It's almost, it's almost like just every once in a while. And this is, this is the thing I have to remind myself, you know, this is kind of a piece of that empathy. It's just realizing that they are, I, I guess it's true for us too. Like we have, we have these emotional temperamental variances, right? Yeah. But we've, we've come to enjoy consistency so much. We, we've, <laughs> we've come to see the value in it so much that we don't tend to let our behavior deviate from what is normal and routine, mm-hmm. regardless of how we feel. Because we've seen the, you know, we've seen the adverse effects of getting off of routine. They just, they don't have that. And so they have, and it's almost like it's, it's all at once. You know what it is? Oh, I bet I know what it is. Uh oh. I went I went running early yesterday morning and the moon was just huge. Oh, was it a full moon? Big full moon. That's oh, what it is. Oh man, yeah. That's when the devil gets in. There's they've got <laughs> there's gotta be some kind of I, I I think they're gonna have some scientific breakthrough where they are able to make the connection between the full moon and the kids being more wild than usual. Yeah. There's got to be something. It's not like werewolf type. It's like devil. You're the devil. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> wow. No. 